You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast, featured on allhabs.net, brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, hosted by Rick Stevens and Michael Spinella. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadiens, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged and entertained. Uh, Hello. Welcome. My name is Amy Johnson. I'll be your host for the next hour. Happy to be uh, stepping in as a guest host today while Michael Spinella is uh, is unavailable this week uh, for episode 201 of the Canadians Connection podcast. And of course, I'm pleased to be joined in the studio by my co-host who is the editor-in-chief, founder, and president of Rocket Sports, Mr. Rick Stevens. How are you doing today? Doing great, thanks. Good. Um, maybe not as great as, as Michael, uh, who is drumming his way across Ontario. Really? Um, but that gives us an opportunity to have you back, and we're happy to have you here. Thank you. Happy to be here as always. This is the last podcast, uh, the Canadians Connection podcast in July. <sighs> we're almost in August which means Stop we're getting it. close to the new season. <laughs> but the you know well um we 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 heard in the in the opening that uh, uh we're the the trusted source for all things Mont- Montreal Canadiens for more than a decade a decade and we're really proud about that. Um but we're also pretty popular and yeah. i have a good feeling that um you know we still have today's numbers to come in but um this is going to be a record month for the canadians connection podcast and we're we're just thrilled with um all of the new listeners um new subscribers we'll tell you how to subscribe if you haven't already um and and uh, off the top i just want to give out a big thank you to everyone uh, both long-term, long-time listeners and, and those who have just joined us for the last month or so. Um, we really appreciate it. We really try to uh, do our best um, to, to give you the best information, information that you can trust. And um, it's, it's, been, it's been fun, especially hearing back from uh, all of uh, the questions, the, uh, the comments from all of, uh, all of our listeners. And, w- you know, we, we, we've always been very strong, uh, with, uh, folks in, with fans, hockey fans, Canadians fans in Canada, uh, also south of the border, uh, our friends in the United States. 
Um, Sweden is always a big audience for us, but in the last month, there's been a new country that's moved into third place. Mm. That's Slovakia. I wonder why. Wonder why. <laughs> I wonder why. And we welcome all of those listeners from Slovakia. Absolutely. Glad to have you. Uh, glad to have you listening. And uh, congratulations to uh, to the Rocket Sports team and yourself and Michael Spinello on, on putting together a great month. And uh, as we do every month here at Rocket Sports, we've got two podcasts that come out weekly. We have uh, a weekly show on YouTube, uh, which has also been very popular this month, uh, particularly as well. Um, And so we'll make sure that you're well-informed and up-to-date on the Montreal Canadiens. And that is uh, certainly going to be the case today as we run through uh, all the latest headlines and things happening both with the roster and, and things going on uh, with members of the Montreal Canadiens, we'll get you caught up on a prospect report uh, because there are hockey things happening for Canadians prospects over the course of the summer. Um, speaking of those uh, Slovakian listeners, we've got a, a quote of the week from Juraj Slavkovsky that you won't want to miss. Uh, and, in, and of course, uh, going to continue kind of the discussion that uh, you and Michael were having last week about all of the speculation surrounding Pierre-Luc Dubois. We've got some uh, audio clips from him after he met with the media this week that we want to talk about, uh, as well as some general uh, NHL news and notes that uh, some some of which have been controversial, some of which have been um, very noteworthy and and will have a big impact on the, the, the game and the league moving forward. So we'll go through all of those things in the first segment. In our second segment, uh, we cover our big topic, and this week it's called Sour Grapes and Silver Spoons, which is a great title for the segment because we're going to take a look at two people in particular um, who kind of fit those two categories respectively. Dominic Ducharme coming out in the media this week with some uh, scathing, pretty scathing criticism uh, regarding uh, the end of his tenure as head coach for the Montreal Canadiens and his experiences. And then on the flip side, we're going to take a deep look and deep dive at the hiring of Stéphane Robina as Marty St. Louis' assistant coach with the vacancy uh, that Luke Richardson left. So going to be a very, very interesting and fun second segment to discuss. And then in our final third segment, uh, that's where we let you have your say. We'll have a question of the week for you. Uh, get you caught up on all of the content you might as might have missed give you uh, other places to, if you're a newer listener uh, you might not know all of the places that you can subscribe to our different multimedia offerings and so we'll make sure that we get you squared away with all of that uh, with a very good question of the week then uh, before we send you on your way to enjoy the the last of the month of July Well, that sounds like a full show. It does. Don't forget, this is an interactive podcast. Uh, You can text us at any time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You do that through the Rocket Sports text line at 585-3-ROCKET. Again, that's 585-3-ROCKET. Uh, also, uh, before we really get started here, just take a moment to make sure you're following this podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can do that by following at Habs Connection. And of course, visit and bookmark our website at canadiansconnection.com. Uh, so for uh, to, to kick things off and kind of get the news segment underway, um, really the big splashy news headline that isn't hockey related per se 
surrounding this past week um, was the fact that Paul Byron was in the news, but not for reasons that you might um, that you might guess. Uh, no, in fact, he was out enjoying a little vacay. He was he was out on a lake um, enjoying some downtime, and uh, suddenly a plane crashed into the lake, and he was uh, directly involved with the rescue of the pilot of that plane. A single-engine um, float plane, pontoon plane, uh, crashed into the lake, and um, yeah, it was Paul Byron and family, um, brother-in-law, father-in-law, were out fishing on a beautiful day on the lake in the Laurentians. Um, there was also uh, a fellow on a jet ski uh, by the name of Serge LaBelle, and um, everybody uh, headed towards the, the down plane so that they could rescue the pilot. Um, yeah, we, we mentioned this also on, on the press zone earlier this week, but, but you know, it's uh, pretty rare you get uh, a heroic story like this off ice involving uh, one of the Montreal Canadiens. So mm-hmm. we wanted to bring your attention to it uh, once again. And nicely done by Paul Byron and the other uh, gentlemen who were involved in that rescue. Uh, just uh, an aside, uh, Paul Byron is still recovering uh, from a procedure. Remember, he had that hip surgery a year ago and and missed most of last season. Um, wasn't, wasn't quite right, so... Uh, had another procedure and may not be back uh, for uh, opening night in October, um, but was was able to help with this rescue. Well, that is good. Uh, of course, be sure uh, you, you'll catch headlines like this and all the other latest Habs news. Uh, if you do check into allhabs.net uh, on a daily basis, you'll get a Habs notepad from Chris G every Monday and then Habs headlines articles uh, Tuesday through Friday as breaking news warrants. So be sure you've got allhabs.net bookmarked. Uh, just check it once a day. See what see what is new with your Montreal Canadiens. Uh, as far as the roster, uh, while there weren't any trades, there weren't any other free agent acquisitions necessarily this week. There was some news regarding uh, members of of the roster, both playing and coaching. Um, As far as players, a couple of uh, new players uh, made uh, made their presence at the Bell Center for the first time. Mike Matheson uh, and his uh, wife, Emily, and son, Hudson, uh, came and visited the Bell Center, and and Matheson got his his sweater, his number eight, uh, this week posed for some photos. Took over, uh, pre- almost sent Twitter into a meltdown when he took over the Habs Twitter account for <laughs> uh, for half a minute. Um, <laughs> but uh, very, very, uh, very lovely family, and uh, he seemed to have a good time coming to and visiting the Bell Center as a Canadian for the first time. Uh, Mike, of course, Point Claire uh, native, uh, so a coming home of sorts for for him. Um, his beautiful pictures with his wife Emily and their year old son Hudson uh, running around the dressing room of uh, the Montreal Canadiens, all in jerseys, all wearing the number eight, uh, which will be he's uh, taking over from Ben Chirot, who last had it. Um, think back, there was Brandon Prust and Mike Komisarek and Greg Patteron and Jordy Ben. And, um, it's been a well-used number for sure, as there's few single digit numbers left, um, that are available with the Montreal Canadiens. 
Um, there was also some really nice uh, pictures of of uh, uh, Mike's parents, and and um, it it just was a nice family atmosphere. Um, and uh, he he seems really excited to be in Montreal. Uh, Evgeny Dadnoff also made his first visit to the Bell Centre and to Montreal as a Canadian this week, touring the facilities with his wife, Anna, uh, met with a bunch of fans, took some pictures with them. And I have to say, um, we're hoping that Dadnoff's going to smile a little bit more. He he looked a little unsure of things in some of his uh, some of his availabilities uh, that day, but uh, it. All in all, uh, the 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 photo I like the most is the photo of he and his wife, um, once he's put his sweater on and and look to be settling in a bit. Yeah, it's a it's a nice photo of um, of Evgeny and and his wife Anna. Uh, there's another photo of Dadanov heading down the the hallway, passing uh, the portrait of of Rocket Richard holding the. Uh, uh, flaming torch uh, at the closing of, of the Montreal Forum. Um, so iconic pictures. And, and and listen, some players are more comfortable with this kind of role than others. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, maybe more attention than, than he's gotten uh, in the past. And I think it was kind of unfortunate that, you know, these kinds of things happen where the Montreal Canadiens bring them into the locker room, show them the facilities, um, and in, in Dadnov's case, um, took him over to Tricolaire Spore and, and, um, uh, he interacted with fans, uh, immediately. Maybe that was, uh, more along the lines of a Matheson, uh, to do that sort of thing. And, um, the picture that I saw where he looked most uncomfortable. And to be honest, when I first saw it, I thought it was, I was concerned because it looked uncomfortable. Like he was with one of his kids, um, but it's not. It was a fan. Uh, his three kids uh, were back in South Florida. Um, Dadnoff and his wife were shopping to take back some goodies for them. Um, but, you know, he, he, he has plenty of guys on the roster that he knows uh, back from the Panthers, Chris Weidman, Mike Hoffman, um, uh, Matheson himself, and, and uh, Sam Montembeau. Um, so they'll help him uh, introduce him um, to uh, to everything he needs to know about Montreal and help him feel more comfortable, I'm sure. Absolutely. Uh, and as finally, as far as the roster goes, there the addition that happened this week was behind the bench when finally, we've been saying for so long that this was time was a ticking and getting really close to, to being very late in the game for the Canadians to announce who would be the assistant coach replacing Luke Richardson behind the bench with Marty St. Louis. Uh, and the announcement came on Thursday this week that it was Stefan Robida uh, who's been hired as an assistant coach. And believe me, um, this is yet again, a, it seems to be a bit of a polarizing decision amongst media, fans, analysts, and so forth, uh, which has kind of been a theme uh, this year with all of these announcements. And and Rick, uh, you and I are going to deep dive on this uh, in, in the second segment. For sure. Um, we'll spend a lot of time on this because it's an important uh, addition. It's an important appointment. Um, I'll just say that um, it was absolutely a head shaker. Um, particularly, we heard from fans, we heard from media 
who were saying that it's most likely uh, that the Canadians would, would uh, with the lack of experience behind the bench, uh, would um, would would hire a, a well-experienced coach. And, and names, names were being tossed around, uh, like Barry Trotz, like Rick Bonus, who would come in and mentor Marty St. Louis. Uh, the Canadians have gone in completely the other direction. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll share our thoughts in the second segment. For sure. All right, let's, uh, let's now switch gears a little bit and take a look at the Habs prospect report. This edition of the Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report, your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. So um, over the course of the summer, ever since free agency, I've been keeping kind of a running running list of, of what members of the Laval Rocket whether they're prospects or not, what members of the Laval Rocket uh, who were uh, who would be free agents at, at the end of the summer um, would be returning or not, whether they've been re-signed or if they signed somewhere else or still are UFA. Uh, and believe it or not, there are still quite a few of them who are still UFA. Uh, but um, you can take Sammy Niku off the board. Uh, he will not be returning uh, to the Laval Rocket or the Montreal Canadiens organization next year. Uh, the former defenseman has signed a one-year contract with JYP of the Liga over in Finland. So they are quite excited for Sammy Niku to come back home to Finland for a one-year deal in the Liga. As they should be. And um, uh, Sammy Niku was, you know, I've called them uh, the best defense in the AHL. Uh, he was part of that. He was the puck mover. Um, and and involved in the the power play, but let's not forget that uh, Sammy Niku got into 13 games for the Montreal Canadiens um, last year, um, and and in those 13 games he had six assists um, and was a plus three. So uh, he he uh, was very effective, um, but that that core defense in Laval stayed together all year long and and played well. Uh, protected uh, Caden Primo in in the playoffs and and uh, uh, a little bit of a blow for for Laval, but uh, wish the best of luck to Sammy as he continues in the Liga. Absolutely, um, we've mentioned uh, Rick and and Michael have mentioned over the past couple of weeks about uh, you know the news coming out about. Uh, the Canadians rookie camp and that they're going to be part of the 2022 prospects challenge in Buffalo this year, which is a five team uh, prospect mini tournament running from September 15th through 18th in Buffalo. It'll be held at the Harbor center, which is the Buffalo practice facility. That's just adjacent to um, key bank arena. Um, And the new part of it for this, this week's show is that we now actually have uh, dates and opponents of each of the three games that the Canadians rookies will be participating in. Um, and yes, I say three games. So Rick, what I find really curious is that, so each team there's, there's five NHL franchises represented, um, in, in this, in this prospects challenge, the Canadians, the Sabres, the Devils, the Senators, and the Penguins, um, but that each team is only going to play three games. So each team will not play one of the five teams participating, which I think is weird. 
<laughs> and for the, the Montreal Canadiens, that team that they won't play uh, is the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, so instead, um, they'll play Sabres, Devils, and Senators. Um, for for Yuri Slavkovsky, it'd be a bit of a um, homecoming of sorts because uh, he's quite familiar with that uh, Buffalo complex, a beautiful complex attached to their rink right downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where the NHL Combine was held. Uh, so he's performed there before. And we're expecting that... I'm expecting that he'll be in that in that game on the 16th against the Devils, and there he'll be able to um, likely um, suit up against the number two overall pick, uh, Simon Nemec. So um, a countryman, Simon Nemec. So um, and Philip Mejar could could be in that as well. Well, well, he he just might. Um, but it, it's it's uh, in a, it's an exciting time, and and for those uh, folks in the Buffalo area, in Southern Ontario, it'll be uh, a chance to get to see uh, those young Canadians uh, as the season uh, kicks off. Absolutely. Speaking of young uh, potential Canadians, uh, don't forget, you know, this, this time of the year, it's traditional for USA Hockey to be hosting the World Junior Summer Showcase, which would be a collection of a number of uh, national men's junior teams, U-20 teams getting together for a kind of a mini tournament uh, for all of those countries to whittle down their final rosters for uh, the start of, of the World Juniors tournament in December. Well, um, that camp is going on right now for USA Hockey, but it's not a summer showcase. It is, in fact, uh back to what it used to be called the the National Junior Evaluation Camp for this year, because not only are they trying to, yes, uh, start to shape their roster for the 2023 World Junior Championship, uh, they also need to figure out their roster for the 2022 championship, which is taking place in two weeks. Um, So uh, right now, uh, Canadian prospects Luke Tuck, Blake Biondi, and Lane Hudson are all at that camp. Um, trying to get a spot on USA Hockey's uh, World Junior Team for 2022 and or for 2023. They are evaluate. It's a it's a little more than a week long camp this time, uh, and they're they're evaluating for both rosters at the same time. So the World Junior Hockey Championships for 2022 um, from the 9th to the 20th of August, and uh, the 2023 is the traditional. Uh, Boxing Day, Christmas, uh, um, New Year's uh, uh, um, tournament that that's that's the most wonderful time in the year in Canada. We know that, um, and and but as you said, there's there's uh, these three players who are Canadians prospects vying for a spot on uh, one of those two rosters. Uh, Team Finland already has their roster for the 2022 World Junior. Uh, team already set and two uh, Canadians prospects will participate uh, and play for Team Finland in August uh, that being Oliver Kapanen and newly drafted here in 2022 Pateri Nurmi uh, both will be playing for Team Finland. We've talked about Kapanen before forward uh, the defenseman in this case as you said Nurmi uh, drafted uh, just earlier in the month um, uh, seventh round pick 194th Overall, and uh, we'll see if he gets uh, into the tournament in the World Juniors uh, in a couple weeks. 
Don't forget, particularly if you're a newer listener uh, and you'd like to follow our coverage of Habs prospects and particularly when they reach the AHL and are playing for the Laval Rocket, uh, you can't beat the coverage that we do, our credentialed coverage of the Laval Rocket. Uh, over at our sister website, the AHL Report. You can find that at ahlreport.com. I am the lead correspondent over there, as well as uh, my colleague uh, Chris G. And we also have Patrick Williams as a contributor. Uh, it also means you'll want to listen to and subscribe to our Habs Prospects focused podcast called The Press Zone, hosted by myself and Rick uh, every Tuesday afternoon. And you can find that over at thepresszone.fm. Uh, we promised at the top of the show that there was a great quote from Uri Slavkovsky this week. And, uh, you know, one of the one of the more exciting things when when new players come to a team, whether they the, whether they're a free agent signing, whether they're a draftee, whether they're uh, they were acquired in a trade is what number are they going to wear? And and Slavkovsky, of course, made some headlines when it came out that Chris Weidman was relinquishing his own number 20. Uh, in order for Yuri to to wear number twenty, and uh, as such, Yuri uh, uh, came out this week with a quote saying, uh, "quote I'm so thankful to Chris Weidman for giving up number twenty. We made a deal that I'll give his son a signed jersey. I will definitely invite Chris to dinner too." <laughs> So no Rolex here, no. <laughs> uh, which has been the the stereotypical kind of gift. Um, but but this is a story where um, you know Yuri Slavkovsky was asked um, what what jersey number would you like, and he said, "Well, you know, I wore twenty. I've always liked twenty. And and he was informed uh, in that little um, interview that uh, well, there's already a person on the roster that has that jersey, and he said, "Oh." Okay, well, that's fine. I like number 18, too. Uh, well, that's even worse. That one's up in the, <laughs> in the rafters, rafters. <laughs> in the Bell Center. So, um, yes, uh, Chris Weidman heard about this and, and uh, graciously gave up his number 20. Now, he gets a pretty good uh, number, uh, as we talked about last week. He's he's nabbing number six, yeah. formerly that of, of Captain Shea Which Weber. I have my own issues with. A little with, problem okay. with that, yeah. Uh, so many fans do. Um, but it's, it's, uh, so Slavkovsky, if he makes the roster and he's working hard to do that, he confirmed that he won't be at the world juniors cause he's training hard in, uh, Slovakia, uh, and then is due to return to Montreal in the second or third week of August. Absolutely. Um, another thing that uh, now last week on the show, you and Michael Spinella spent uh, quite a bit of time focusing on uh, all of the speculation surrounding Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, would he be traded? Would he be going to Montreal? His agent had come out and made some comments uh, about him playing uh, in Montreal or for the Canadians. Um but then he turned around, and, and if you if you missed that episode, that's episode 201 of the Canadians Connection called Who Will Blink on Dubois. I invite you to head over to canadiansconnection.fm and check that out. Uh, it, was a, it was a great conversation and great an analysis of everything that's kind of on the table regarding a trade, uh, potentially, for Pierre-Luc Dubois. But he then met with the media uh, to answer some questions after signing a one-year six million dollar contract with the Winnipeg Jets so he's he's staying in Winnipeg 
it's uh, so um, that's it. That's it. That's the end. There was the Pierre Luc Dubois drama, uh, and it's all over, right? Well, no, no, no. <laughs> he um, can still be traded <laughs> now. Fans, yeah, I, I I saw that on social media that fans say, "I'd stop talking about Pierre Luc Dubois. It's over. He's staying in Winnipeg." Not necessarily. What happened? With him signing um, his qualifying offer, one year, $6 million, we know what changed. Uh, Well, we know there's going to be no arbitration. We know there's going to be no offer sheet. We know there's going to be no training camp holdout, as as was speculated. Uh, But that's all we know. (laughs) That's all we know. And in fact, some are saying that um, this one-year, $6 million contract, which is is pretty team-friendly, um, makes it more likely uh, that he will be traded. Uh, so the the drama, which was fully the the whole drama, the Jets really had nothing to do with this. Um, this was created by uh, Pierre Luc Dubois' agent Pat Brisson, a power agent, one of the the biggest agents in the game. Um, made the comments that yeah, uh, Pierre Luc Dubois would like to play in Montreal. And he knew exactly what he was doing. He he set off the bomb and the media ran with it. Um, then, uh, to, to clarify things, to calm things down, Pierre-Luc Dubois uh, appeared before the media uh, this week on Monday. He did. And... I don't know that he actually clarified anything because I've never I've never heard a player dance around an answer or a topic for as many times repeatedly in as many different ways as he could as as Dubois did in this in this interview and also talk out both sides of his mouth at the same time. Um it, it really, a lot of what he said to me came off as disingenuous as he was just kind of tr- trying to cover his tracks. And I think I think some of the more aggressive media in attendance also was getting that sensation. And so they kept pushing him on it, which then made him get a little even more erratic in some of his answers. But particularly when it came to Pat Prezon's comments to the media, uh, you know, that, of course, was presented to Pierre-Luc saying, but your agent said X, Y, Z. Why would he say that if if it wasn't something based in in some sort of conversation that the two of you had? And to start, this is one of the things that Pierre-Luc Dubois remarked about what his agent had to say in the media. Yeah, see, just right there, I think, you know, the question was, is Montreal a market that he'd like to play in one day? And he said, maybe it's a place that he would see himself playing. Never said, he never, like he said, your question was, what was more of a proportion to him saying, do you want to play for Gaines? And it's, I want to play. He said, you know, it's a place that maybe one day he could play. I think people just took that and just blew it up times 10 and, you know, said, oh, he's trying to force this. He's trying to force that. It's, at the end of the day, I think that you could see it. Look, I, I'm not saying you're you're seeing it. I, I just think that those comments were just blown out of proportion. Well, that's clear. <laughs> that, that's perfectly clear, wasn't it? That is the most uncomfortable answer. Uh, it, <laughs> listen, um, first of all, 
what was taken out of context? Um, I, I, I don't know. He said that my client would like to play in Montreal. Um, Pat Brisson is, uh, you know, isn't uh, one of the best agents um, by accident. Uh, he's very strategic. He's very tactical. He knew exactly what would happen. And he didn't say anything uh, that Pierre-Luc Dubois didn't approve of. In fact, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois said um, he's the best agent in the game. Um, and and he knew exactly what was going to happen. This was, um, you know, trying to force the Jets' hand, trying to uh, get some trade talk going, trying to build some buzz around uh, around his client. Uh, nothing was taken out of context here, and, and I think that's why... Uh, PLD had so much trouble answering the question, even though, and I should say, uh, it was clear uh, that he was fully coached uh, and and he kind of stuck to the script early on, but then that all kind of unraveled. (laughs) So so as you heard that there was no clear, I mean, he started and stopped at least eight different sentences that he never finished just in that 45 second reply. So, so yes, he was then pushed further, like, why is it so difficult for you to come out and just give us a cut and dry? Yes, I had told him I want to play in Montreal or no, I didn't. Or yes, I told him I did, but but not right away. Or it can be any time or someday. Or why, why is it that you can't necessarily just cl- just lay out an answer? For I understand it? what you're saying, but I'm pretty sure you've at some point changed your mind or not been sure about something in your life and who knows a year later maybe six months later maybe 30 minutes later you change your mind or you've you've thought of something different or you've thought of a different idea um look i don't even know what i'm eating tonight for dinner i don't know what i'm going to do in two years i don't know what i'm going to do in six years i don't know what i'm going to do in in six months i am not a type of person to i i i have i i'm somebody that thinks you know and i think there's there's a bunch of different opinions and there's a bunch of different ways of thinking. Um, I'm not somebody that has one idea and has set on it for the next six years. Um, everybody's changed their mind. Everybody's had different ideas. Everybody's at some point liked something and then maybe later they realize that no, it's just human nature to, to change your mind sometimes. That's why I get you guys have articles to write of these questions, but I know sometimes questions aren't as e- the answers to these questions aren't as easy as just yes or no. That's a continuous clip. We we didn't we didn't cut it. We didn't no. edit it. We didn't paste it. That's a continuous clip. Um, you know, the Jets by 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 signing him to the one year deal, they calmed the waters and bought themselves time. But this presser, um, it was PLD's it's a words. Disaster. They fuel. He fueled this drama a little bit more uh, by this press conference and. Um, you know, his, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing five minutes from now or six months from now, or that was bizarre. And, and, um, it was Mike McIntyre from the Winnipeg free press that said, uh, Hey, I can tell you I'm having pickerel for tonight for dinner. <laughs> like they're mocking him now because, uh, it was such a, a discombobulated answer and, and really didn't, didn't relate to, to the question and saying, uh, Oh, it's because I changed my mind and I'm not one that sticks with, well, what is he talking about there? 
Um, so it, what did you change your mind from? So what, are you was saying, it about yeah. coming to, to Winnipeg that he liked the idea at first because his dad was a coach in the organization and now he's changed, now he's soured on it? Or is it, I mean, what was it related to? Was it related to the comments about coming to Montreal? We have no idea. He was just all over the place. And, um, you know, you couldn't understand what he was trying to say. Even if he had clearly answered the question by by his own admission here, he likely would have changed his mind again five minutes later. <laughs> so the best thing to do is probably just ask Pierre-Luc Dubois the same question every mm, 10 minutes or so and and just see if the answers change because he's human. He might change his mind. You never know. It's just absolutely bizarre. For, I wasn't keen on, on a Pierre-Luc Dubois ch- trade prior to this for Montreal. Um, I definitely do not want a Pierre-Luc Dubois change after. I can't imagine what, what a mess this would be to deal with like every night after a game. I, I just, I can't. Well, you mentioned the, the somewhat aggressive. Uh, there was only really one reporter who pushed him uh, very much at all. Uh, but this is Winnipeg. Uh, they're, they're pretty mild-mannered, uh, the media is, in, in Winnipeg. Uh, does he really want to come into the Hornets' net? Now, he had time with the French media, and it was all in French. And they're very adoring and want him to come to, to Montreal. But... Uh, that will change, and they can get quite vicious and far more vicious than the reporters uh, that he's had to deal with in Winnipeg, where he he you know he certainly didn't fare very well in this press conference. The icing on the cake might be though when he was pressed as to okay, well, you signed your one year deal, the qualifying offer with Winnipeg. Why didn't you choose to sign long term with the Jets? Why, if you're gonna if you're gonna re-sign with the Jets, why not uh, put some term on it? I just think that you know this next deal might be for the rest of my career. I might retire um, with this. Um, you know, I just turned 24 years old. I look at myself from two, three, four years ago, and I'm a completely different person. Um, you know, it's a major decision, and I, I want to be sure to make the right one. Um, and, you know, it has nothing to do with, 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 with stuff like that. It, sometimes, you know, you make a decision not because you hate something, you don't like something. Sometimes it's just because, you know, you have something else in your, in your, in your mind. There's lots of other somethings in his mind, apparently. And, and he doesn't know what he's going to have for dinner, but the 24 year old figures that the next contract he signs will be his last because then he'll retire from hockey. This was because he's just going to max out at an eight-year deal and then retire? That was, biz- again, rather bizarre. And um, they weren't asking him to confirm that he wanted to sign. Uh, it just, would you consider it? Uh, say All you have to do is say something nice. Say something nice about Winnipeg. <laughs> say something nice about... Uh, you know, wanting to be, or, or, or yes, I've enjoyed my my time here. Or uh, he just had to give a a general boilerplate kind of answer. And and again, it, there was a lot of confusion and and uh, tossing around some very very odd ideas. I what twenty four year old comes out publicly and says, well, I believe that the the, the next long contract I sign, the next contract is it's going to be. Uh, it's going to be the one that's going to take me to my retirement. I, I mean, that's just, that's the most nonsense I've heard from a player in a really long time. 
This so is, it's not going to be the end of our no, our discussions no, on Pierre Luc Dubois no, for sure. This is uh, and and we know that you know the 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 title of last week's uh, who is going to blink first. We know and explained why uh, Kevin Shoveldayoff has been one of the most patient uh, general managers in the National Hockey League. We've seen some patience from Kent Hughes as well, certainly in the deal for uh, Arturi Lekkinen. Um, so, um, uh, but but the, the the signing of the contract and certainly the the press conference don't put an end to things. We know that the Canadians have had their eye. Jeff Molson has had his eye on him back uh, to his draft year. Um, and so this story is not going to end, um, and certainly uh, this this presser didn't help. Not at all. All right, uh, switching gears now to league-wide news. Um, probably something that was, I don't even know that this was on anyone's radar or expected. Um, there are reports, uh, ESPN uh, had had reports this week that uh, Adidas is not going to renew its contract with the NHL as the official supplier of their jerseys after their current commitment expires following the 2023-24 season. So that's two years from now. Um, so that means no, no, no Adidas jerseys. Adidas hasn't been with the NHL for very long. Reebok. Uh, had the agreement before that, but apparently the league has let other apparel companies know that those rights are going to be up for grabs in a couple of years uh, to start uh, putting feelers out for who's going to want to take that contract. Uh, Rick, that's that's a huge deal. It's stunning. Um, Reebok had the 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 contract for ten or eleven years. Uh, and at that time, they were paying about thirty five million dollars for the rights. Um, at the, when Adidas took that over, when they outbid Reebok, it was said that they were paying around in the neighborhood of $70 million uh, for the rights. And they've come to the decision apparently, uh, that it's not, it's not worth it. And, and they're, um, they're out, uh, as of the end of the 2023, 24 season. And I remember back to, um, you know, many fans were saying, Oh, I've got a, um, um, a Reebok jersey, a, a Canadian's jersey. Now I got to get a, a, an, a jer- uh, an Adidas jersey um, to be, you know, of their favorite player to to be current. Um, this was this was very interesting, and it was supposed to provide, you know, the seven year deal that they had with the NHL was supposed to provide some stability for the league. Now uh, they're going to have to go back into a bid process all over again. What what I was stunned by. Um, you know, there are players, in addition to the league having this arrangement, um, there are endorsement deals that uh, Adidas has signed. Connor McDavid is probably the best example of an endorsement deal with Adidas. The company apparently has also announced that it won't renew any of those deals, any of those uh, uh, expiring uh, Adidas endorsement deals with players will not be renewed. So, uh, they're getting out of the hockey business, which, um, again, stunning. So who will it be? Uh, could Nike now step up to the plate? Could Reebok re-enter uh, the fold and say, okay, maybe maybe we'll be back? Um, 
I know when you and I first uh, discussed this, when the news came out a, a day or so ago, your first reaction was, please don't let it be. Uh, fanat- well, Fanatics <laughs> is, is the supplier of, of the merchandise uh, for the NHL and, and operates their websites. So. That's right. Let's not have Fanatics do it, please. Uh, but very interesting. And, and um, we'll be curious to see how all of that unfolds. I mean, Adidas says, love them or hate them. Adidas has been a driving factor behind the whole reverse retro jersey mm-hmm. trend, uh, which which, quite frankly, has had has been pretty popular. I mean, there's people that hate them, but there's they've sold a lot of merchandise because of those reverse retros. So we'll see how all that works out. Um, in other news around the league, The Athletic published their 2022 edition of the 10 worst contracts in the NHL. And I hate to break it to you, Habs fans, but um, there's some familiar names on it. And, you know, Habs fans wouldn't have been surprised. This is um, uh, something that they do with their modeling, Dom Lecician, uh, the analytics uh, person. He's been doing this the last few years. And for Canadians fans, um, you know, it's 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 an open secret and openly talked about that uh, Mike Hoffman is on, is on a bad contract. Um, Paul Byron, who we talked about earlier, uh, that's a pretty bad contract. He isn't earning his three point four million, and and hasn't. Brandon Gallagher's on an awful contract, not worth the six point five that that he's paid. Um, but that isn't what this article was talking about. Now, I'm not going to get into the analytics of it, but um, a widely used model that was developed by Dom Lecician is game score. Uh, you, you see it quoted all over. But he went and further developed that model, uh, game score value added. And it talks about, uh, compared to, the, to the, uh, the, con- the value of the contract, and that's a complete contract. That's including the, not just next year, but the, the term. It ignores anything in the past. It's only a, a, a model that looks forward. Um, so the complete value of the contract, um, how many wins uh, per season is, is that person contributing to the team? Um, and so these are the, these are the um, contracts, the players with the contracts um, who have the poorest value um, that contribute the last for the, for the least for the value of the contract. Is that clear as mud? Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> if I got into the math of it, it would get worse. Um, the only caveat in that is that uh, they didn't consider any player uh, who's currently on long-term injured reserves. So, you, you know, people might be screaming, uh, Jonathan Duran's the worst contract. Well, he's currently on LTIR, so he wasn't even considered in the whole deal. So, top 10. Are there any names we know? Well, the number one, just to get that out of the way, Tyler Sagan uh, from Dallas, $9.9 million. Five years uh, on his contract. Expected value is 2.7 wins per season. Uh, so 9.9 million over the next five years uh, for 2.7 wins uh, is the worst uh, value. Number 10 is uh, Ben Sherratt. Um, uh, just signing with, with former Canadians defenseman. Uh, traded to the Panthers and then signed a free agent deal with Detroit in the offseason. 4.8 a million times four years uh, and his uh, 0.9 wins per season uh, is his value as determined 
by the model. And, and that's not a surprise. Um, if you've been following analytics, uh, Ben Chirot is not, um, he's not analytic friendly. Uh, that isn't why he's there. Number nine on this list, uh, embrace yourselves, is Nick Suzuki's contract. Uh-oh. Uh, 7.9 million times eight years, uh, almost $8 million. And his value is seen as two wins per season. <laughs> um, so, you know, Canadians fans are, are up in arms about this. Um, but, but let's kind of be, try to be a little bit objective. We're not talking about Nick Suzuki's potential, who th- this might change in a year or might change in two years. Right now, is he a top, uh, top line center? Mm, we don't know yet. It's kind of borderline. Is he going to be a number one? Is he going to be a number two? We don't know. Um, he's 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 uh, on a nice track, but he's not right now, and he's not an eight million dollar player right now. He just he just isn't, and and it's it's really not close if you're being objective. Um, so the model says, okay, there's some risk uh, to the Nick Suzuki deal, um, and and that's okay. That you know that this. This all might be turned around in a, in a year or two. Um, also, uh, for the Montreal Canadiens, uh, in the honorable mention uh, category from this, uh, uh, th- this model, um, this model spit out five honorable mentions, and two of them are Montreal Canadiens. Josh Anderson contract, yeah, it's bad. It's For bad. such an inconsistent player, it's bad, and it's one of the reasons that he was being shopped. The other one, uh, David Savard, again, mm-hmm. not a, an analytics darling, or at least his numbers don't uh, fit the model very well. And, uh, you know, maybe he's going to be valued for w- how he can mentor the young defenseman, um, but, but according to the model, uh, overpaid. So <laughs> again, uh, we're not being the bearer of bad news here or, or saying this model is, is perfect and always right. Um, it's just, uh, we wanted to give some background because we know that, uh, Canadians fans were pulling their hair out, uh, this week, uh, about these results. They were. And, uh, Kent Hughes still has work to do to get the team cap compliant. So <laughs> For sure. Some some of those bad contracts could certainly go by the wayside. Um, NHL transactions, just want to quickly mention two things. The Sharks announced David Quinn as their new head coach. Did a great job with the Rangers. And uh, one of those coaches, you know, the college coach background, seen as a bright, uh, young, new coach. Uh, we remember that the, the Sharks were kind of late to the party and firing uh, Bob Bugner. Uh, they were waiting for the new general manager. And, and uh, so um, kind of the last head coach, I guess, uh, to, to be announced in the NHL. And in quite possibly what could be the biggest head scratcher of the free agency signings for the summer is uh, John Klingberg finally finding uh, a landing spot after, after changing management teams. Um, and signing a one-year, seven million dollar deal with Anaheim. Yeah, I'm not. I'm. I, I don't know. <laughs> Someone I, explain I don't know this about to this me, one. Uh, John Klingberg, um, arguably the the best defenseman on the free agent market. Um, it ex- you know we all expected that it would be a long term deal. There was uh, reports that he had been offered a fifty six million dollar multi year deal with uh, Dallas. 
and chose to become a free agent. So then for him to accept a one-year deal uh, with a team that will likely be out of the playoffs, um, it is head-scratching. You know, perhaps it had something to do with that agent and uh, that he fired and uh, that they missed out on a a different opportunity. Um, But, you know, I, you know, we wish the the best to, to him. I hope he has a great season and then is able to cash in uh, next year. Absolutely. Uh, finally, just to wrap this segment up, some some feel good news. Uh, Avalanche forward Arturi Lekkinen, uh had his day with the Stanley Cup this week. Uh, a very kind of low key day in his hometown in Finland. Uh, taking the cup back to uh, where he used to train. Uh, He and some family and friends had it in the sauna, which is so quintessentially Finnish. Um, And uh, just uh, really, really happy-looking Arturi Lekkonen getting to spend his day with Lord Stanley. And what else would you expect from Lekkonen? Just kind of (laughs) low-key pictures uh, of the Stanley Cup on the the coffee table in the the living room. holding it out uh, by the lake, uh, the the rink that he he grew up training at, the the, the place where he has his off-season uh, workouts, um, and and just kept it a very private affair for his family and friends. And and remember what a key role that Arturi Lekkonen played in the winning of the Stanley Cup and and the uh, Colorado Avalanche, the the game-winning goals that he made throughout the playoffs. Absolutely. So congratulations to Arturi Lekkonen. A very well-deserved day. All right. Well, we're going to take our first break here on the Canadians Connection. Still to come, we're going to tackle our question of the week uh, in the third segment. Uh, you'll be able to let us know uh, your response to that. Um, and in the next segment, our big topic segment, Sour Grapes and Silver Spoons, we're going to discuss comments that Dom Ducharme made in the media this week, as well as take a big closer look at the hiring of Stefan Robida as assistant coach. So stay with us. This is the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right, make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. I am your host, Amy Johnson. 
Uh, if you'd like, you can find me on Twitter at Flyers Rule. And, of course, with me in the studio is our president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can also find him on Twitter. Just follow him at AllHabs on Twitter. Uh, you can also follow this podcast at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Visit our website, CanadiansConnection.com, bookmark that. And, hey, last but not least, just remember to subscribe to the Canadians Connection podcast, uh, either right there in the player or your favorite podcast app. Super easy to do. Just hit that subscribe button and you'll never miss an episode of the Canadians Connection. Uh, this is our big topic segment, sour grapes and silver spoons this week. Um the Canadians made an addition to their bench, uh, hiring Stefan Robina. But before we get to that, um, what maybe flew a bit under the, not necessarily under the radar, but certainly I don't think necessarily got everyone's attention was the fact that prior to that, uh, Dom Ducharme uh, spoke out, did a did an interview with, uh, I believe, Marc-Antoine Marc Godin about his year coaching the Montreal Canadiens, the, the one year total that he spent as head coach of the Montreal Canadiens, both interim and, and in the permanent position, uh, his experience, his departure. Um, and my goodness, um, it was a fascinating article to read, just to read all of the direct quotes from Dom Ducharme, because, um, that some of what he had to say, particularly about Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes, was a bit scathing. Um, and and I I was um, quite honestly, I was flabbergasted at the fact that Dom Ducharme basically did not take any responsibility for anything that happened and how bad things were uh, and laid it all at the feet of others. Yeah, it was it was a little bizarre. Um, and, and listen, um, you know, Mark Bergevin, um, made the decision to, to fire Claude Julien, uh, turned the reins over to, uh, uh, Dominic Ducharme. Uh, much was made of the fact that, uh, we remember, um, even back to the hiring, uh, Dom Ducharme and, uh, Joel Bouchard, uh, um, Joel Boucher. Bouchard, no, I was right. Bouchard, yeah, you're good. I um, Boucher, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I'm making up people as we go on here. Um, that they were the they were uh, seen as being groomed uh, to take over the leadership, the head coach and GM uh, positions. Uh, now neither of them with uh, the organization, and um, and and I think it's fair to say that that the experience that they had in junior, they had no neither of them. Um, experience uh, in in management in in the NHL, uh, it didn't translate at all. Um, and Dom Ducharme took over. The Canadians went to the the Stanley Cup final, but you really never felt that it was they were there because of Dom Ducharme. Um, the the Canadians had an exceptionally strong leadership group uh, that carried the team. It was Carey Price. It was Shea Weber uh, who willed the team uh, to the finals, supported by Eric Stahl, supported by uh, uh, Corey Perry in that leadership role. And um, so it was fine when, when Dom Descharmes even missed some games in the playoffs. And it was Luke Richardson uh, that, uh, you know, that conference final. 
um, against uh, against the Vegas Golden Knights. It this was, and so for him to come out and and say what he did, um, you know, we were surprised that he he got a. Uh, a, a contract after that, that, that he had done anything to deserve a three-year contract uh, after that Stanley cup run. Um, it, it just didn't, it just didn't work. There was problems already. Uh, one of the things that Mark Bergevin had said when he announced um, the promotion of, of Dom Ducharme was uh, he said, you know, no, no slight against Claude Julien or his age, but, Dom Ducharme is a new generation coach. He's an excellent communicator. He's a modern coach. And our players, our young players, are really going to respond to him. And the truth, the simple fact was, nope. nobody did. <laughs> nobody did. Um, you know, I, we mentioned on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, um, Paul Byron is a nice guy. He's a pretty polite guy. And he's the only one who showed up for... Dom Ducharme's golf tournament this summer. None of the ex-players uh, did because he was he he um, he was always considered himself the smartest guy in the room. Um, he he was disrespectful to players, both young and uh, veterans. And we know that uh, players went. Um, the leadership went to him and said, "Listen, um, your junior style tactics aren't working here." Um, you got to change. And, and he was, no, 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 nothing needs to change. Um, and, and we, I'm not going to get into it again, but we explained his system, how complicated it was. Uh, the fact that it was, uh, um, you know, there's read and react systems throughout the, the NHL, but with Dom Ducharme's in each situation, there was five possible reactions and um, those weren't those weren't predetermined. Uh, the players on the ice, those five players, the five skaters, had to s- decide which option that the situation called for, and they had to decide all at the same time and mm-hmm. and all the same uh, <laughs> the the same choice. And yeah. it just led to absolute chaos. Uh, the fact that he was, uh, you know, at coaching, his communication was terrible. And I'm not talking about a language issue. It was terrible in both languages. He just had no uh, ability to to engage players, motivate players, uh, be compassionate towards players. Um, he he's just he didn't have the experience uh, of dealing with professionals to be a National Hockey League coach. He didn't. Uh, and and he he went on uh, this rant in this article about uh, criticizing Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon for not ever coming once once Bergevin was out. And Jeff Gordon was brought on and then Kent Hughes was brought on um, that neither of them ever came to him to tell him that the mandate had changed that neither one of them had ever come to him to say, okay, we'd like you to just focus on the young players and let's just, this this season is a wash. Don't try to go out and win or get results anymore. Just focus on the young players. Let's get some development at least into the, into the season and, and we'll take things from there next season. And, and so for Dom Ducharme, 
No one came and told him that. So he was just left to assume all on his own that he was supposed to keep trying to win. And that's why he was making the personnel decisions and the roster decisions that he was making. And no one can, uh, no one in their right mind could blame him for that, right? The quote, if the plan was to lose the most games we could, I would have liked to have known that because I would have had a different approach. Um, uh, do you think that the directive given to, to any coach is go out there and lose as many games as possible? That's just, you're not going to hear those words. No. Uh, you're just not. Um, and, and it still doesn't, ex- as the, the article uh, rightly says, it still doesn't explain the bizarre, um, the absolute bizarre dis- decisions that he made. Riding Jake Allen the way he did, and and he came to the to to post game and said, you know, um, this organization has got to stop uh, riding Jake Allen so hard uh, because uh, you know he's playing too many games and he's going to get injured, and he, and he got injured um, for playing too many games. Who was in control of that decision? Don Ducharme. Ducharme. <laughs> uh, he, he was. It was bizarre. Um, the other. You know, uh, the, the the article points out the that he was playing Alex Belzeal uh, way more minutes, uh, giving him way more opportunity than Cole Caulfield, um, and 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 those kinds of decisions uh, are not explained by the fact that he said you know he had no um, mandate, he had no directive from. Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon. Let's also, you know, we've said this on the press zone, but our Canadians Connection uh, folks may not have heard the fact that J.F. Uhl, the head coach of the Laval Rocket, um, said uh, at the end of the season that he looks forward to meeting with uh, Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon uh, because he said, you know, they were pretty busy with all the things that had to go on. So we never met. We never talked about We We weren't given uh, any kind of direction or mandate. We were kind of left on our own, me and 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 our coaching staff here in Laval. Well, Laval, Laval made the playoffs. <laughs> they had a they pretty good run. They made it to the r- conference final. Uh, yeah, with, <laughs> without, uh, without that uh, direction or mandate. So it's just... As we said in the, the, the title of this, uh, Sour Crepes, my goodness, um, it's, 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 it's unbelievable the kinds of things he was saying. Uh, he, he said that there was uh, that there's a double standard in what was expected from him compared to Marty St. Louis. He says he has nothing against Marty St. Louis, and then Marty St. Louis is a good guy, but that there's a, there's a double standard when it came to what was expected from, from each of them. He said it's been easy for Marty. And he said, I was the guy who offered Marty um, uh, the, uh, his, his, what would have been his first NHL coaching job. And that was the assistance position that uh, after Marty declined, I gave to Trevor Litowski. Um, he said I should get the credit for, <laughs> that he should get the credit for uh, Marty. And, and, and as you said, said that... Uh, the double standard was really unfair that um, he should have been told that they were a rebuilding team. Uh, it was his goal to, to make the playoffs, and so he coached a, a different way. Well, they didn't make the playoffs, so... <laughs> and, and he goes on to contradict uh, in, you know, um, in, in the next uh, uh, part of the, the interview, saying that 
um, if he was given another opportunity. Um, he wouldn't really change anything no. um, at all. No. Um, you know, maybe, maybe I'd, I'd tweak some neutral zone coverage. <laughs> yeah, because... Because that was the problem. That was the issue, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, it was... Well, and he's... Um, he was asked how he feels about some people saying that he's to blame for Cole Caulfield not uh, being in the running for the Calder. Well... It, it sucks, really. You know, he's he's bitter about that. He doesn't he he doesn't appreciate that um, parallel being made that he doesn't he doesn't want any any blame placed on him for Cole Caulfield, um, you know, not not being and and to his credit. No, not all of the blame can be placed at his feet. Some of that's at Cole Caulfield's feet as well. But there certainly has to be some correlation there. Um, you know, it's. It's, as you say, sour grapes all around. And contrary to, um, you know, what Mark Bergevin said and what many of the media said when when he got that head coaching position, just because uh, you're younger than some of the experienced coaches, just because uh, you've dealt with junior age players, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be uh, good for developing young uh, players. And we saw that with uh, the way he treated uh, Alexander Romanov, the way he treated um, Cole Caulfield. He was not um, a, 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 a young, friendly, a prospect friendly uh, type of coach. And, and that's, that's partly what's been the, the problem with development in the Montreal Canadiens uh, for years and years and years is that their NHL coach is not very good at dealing with young players. So now, for me, I feel like, yes, that, that's been a big issue. The, the only other thing I want to say with, with respect to, and just reiterate with respect to um, Ducharme before we move on, uh-huh. um, two years remaining, the Canadians will pay him for another two years. Uh, he just completed, completed in quotes, the, the first year of his three-year contract. Um, so this is this is really kind of uh, unprecedented that he would come out and and uh, and and take the swings that he did uh, against members of the or uh, members of the management and players. Absolutely. Um, so so yes, you you pinpointed what has been an issue and was an issue with Dominic Ducharme as well um, over the last few years. For me, I feel unfortunately. You know, when when Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes were hired, I was encouraged by the fact that they talked so much about uh, a focus needing to go back onto player development. And that that to me left me feeling very energized, very hopeful and very encouraged. But unfortunately, I feel that the pendulum is now swinging too far in the other direction. Um, because, yes, player development is is crucial. It's essential. It's vital for the future and the rebuild of the Montreal Canadiens. However, um, now with the hiring of Stefan Robita, who's going to join Marty St. Louis behind the bench, uh, replacing Luke Richardson, um, and, and we're going to get into this in detail as we go through here, but Alex Burroughs is now the guy behind the bench who has the most NHL coaching experience. You tell me what's wrong with that statement. Um, and, and you just 
you just illustrated how method methodology that Dom Ducharme, who, as you said, was supposed to be, you know, the more modern, younger, friendly coach, um, methodology and systems that he had implemented in junior did not translate to the NHL. Like that it's not an automatic thing that just because you're successful in in one level at one league automatically means that that translates to a higher league. Um, we and, and people know that that's not the case with players, that you can't just be successful in junior and that's automatically going to mean that you're successful at the AHL or NHL level. And the same goes for coaches. So, Rick, we see Stefan. I, I mean, I think my jaw hit my desk when this announcement came out at eight o'clock in the morning on Thursday uh, that it was going to be Stefan Robida who has zero pro coaching experience. In fact... He only has one year of coaching experience, period. And that was last year for a midget AAA team in Magog. Um, yeah. Uh, what, what is a midget AAA team? Uh, well, it's, it's dealing with uh, 15, 16-year-olds, mostly some 17-year-olds. And um, it's a team in Magog, a small team. Uh, it's a feeder league. Midget AAA is for the Q, um, and and so he started off, you know, as 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 uh, as similar to uh, what Kent Hughes did, what what Marty St. Louis did. They're they're there to um, uh, be a coach or assistants with for their their sons. Um, so as you know, as serious as you take that, he did well uh, in Magog, um, and and um, you know maybe if you you spend a few years there, then you're ready for a next step up. Uh, but but um, well, he was given that actually on June 15th. The Sherbrooke Phoenix in the QMJHL announced that they had appointed him as their assistant coach for the upcoming season, the 22-23 season. That's a natural next step. Wouldn't that be appropriate? You go from midget AAA to uh, Sherbrooke, uh, a it's team, uh, yeah, a team in the queue, and um, you know, at the time that was June fifteenth, um, he said, "I'm really excited to have a chance to work with uh, Stefan Julien, um, who is the head coach uh, at uh, um, uh, Sherbrooke." Uh, and I'm happy to have the chance to share my experience and participate in the development of the Phoenix players. Um, that's that's entirely appropriate, I guess. Absolutely. Um, uh, for someone who's played in the NHL, who's had some development experience, um, that would be an, it, that would be completely appropriate. Um, and maybe then he could spend, um, you know. Um, several years in the queue uh, developing his coaching ability. Um, you know, looking at the at the staff in Lavelle, I mentioned J.F. Houle a minute ago. Um, he's been in coaching since 2003. Started in the NCAA, went to the queue. He's, he's coached in the ECHL, he's coached in the AHL and, and a head coach now in the AHL. Kelly Buckberger, uh, a coach since 2004, in the AHL, in the NHL, and in the WHL. Uh, Martin LaPerriere has been a coach since 1998 
in the queue um, in the AHL, Marco Marciano since 2000 in the queue in the AHL. There's a ton of experience. Oh, yeah. And they made the Eastern Conference final. And, in their and, first year as a coaching crew. And they've worked with uh, a very strong uh, bit of experience. Um, and, and, uh, and maybe if, if uh, you know, our dear friend Stefan Robida had followed that path over the course of a dozen, 20 years, as, as some of them have, maybe then he'd be ready for a National Hockey League gig. But that's just it. That wasn't a speculation statement we just made a minute ago. Stefan Robidal was announced by the Sherbrooke Phoenix six weeks ago as being the next assistant coach for the upcoming season. And then this week, the Montreal Canadiens announced him, no, 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 he's our new assistant coach at the NHL level. Do you know what that means? That means Stefan Robidal had made a commitment, I'm assuming signed a contract, to be the assistant coach for the Sherbrooke Phoenix for the upcoming season. And in the 11th hour at the end of July, someone comes along with a silver platter and says, you don't have to go do all that hard work down in the lower leagues. Here, here's your, as, as I said in this week's uh, um, Habs Hockey Report uh, show on YouTube, I said, someone just handed him the, the golden ticket to Willy Wonka's chocolate, chocolate factory and said, Here's a straight pass to the NHL. And he said, did, did he stop and say, oh, oh, I wish I had known that two months ago, but I'm already committed. I've already I'm, I'm already going to be an assistant coach. No, he said, oh, better opportunity. Thank you. See you later, Sherbrooke. It's tough for Sherbrooke now. Uh, and uh, the well, they start earlier than the National Hockey League. It's a really tough position for Sherbrooke uh, to be in. And um, listen, we're going to hear from uh, our listeners, I'm sure, saying, well, if you had the opportunity uh, to to uh, an offer from an NHL team, particularly the Montreal Canadiens, wouldn't you turn down Sherbrooke too? Uh, I think it's what you said. It's having made a commitment, um, you can say, listen, I as 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 uh, Marty St. Louis said, no, uh, my commitment is my family. I'm holding out for a head coaching job. No thanks on the assistant. Um, and then a year later, changed his mind. Well, and but you know, at, at least uh, didn't renege on that commitment at that point. And and here is uh, someone who's left a, a team in the lurch. Uh, and the other part of it is um, it's about paying your dues um, mm-hmm. in in hockey, and we've seen these. Uh, coaches in the AHL, in the ECHL, in the CHL, in the NCAA, how hard they work, how many hours they put in, uh, in order to pay their dues. And, um, you know, that silver spoon, many people think silver spoon refers to wealth, uh, you know, being born into it, but it just refers to the fact that you're given something, uh, for something you didn't earn. And, and here is Stefan Robidaw being parachuted in, uh, to a top role. Uh, what is there? A hundred, uh, assistant jobs in the NHL, uh, a really, uh, plum role that, that many thousands would, would want without, without paying his dues, without going through, uh, the hard work, uh, and commitment that, that, thousands of other coaches have done so why stefan robidaw and and let's not well we're going to get to to plenty of reasons but what experience does he have 
aside from a lengthy playing career and one year coaching midget AAA? Well, he did spend a handful of years um, in player development for the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, for about four seasons. Um, and so as, as we just said a moment ago, you know, that's, Player development is an important part of any NHL organization uh, to spend, a, a, a you know, four or five years at that level and then be taking the next step to go do some assistant coaching in the queue like that. That's the beginnings of a natural, a natural progression of your post playing career uh, path forward. If you're wanting to stay in the game, if you're wanting to eventually be a coach. Um, so it really seems that the focus for the hiring of Stefan Robina, which uh, apparently I think was was very fueled by Marty Saint Louis in this in this selection, uh, was it's it's going to be all focused on his his experience and expertise in the arena of player development, and and Robida said as much in his media availability. I, I think that the player development part for sure it's huge, and my experience as a player as a defenseman in the NHL. I think these two are kind of the the main reason why um, I got the job. Okay, um, great. So let's let's look at at each of those separately. Um, his playing career and and his uh, work in development with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, he had a you know a lot of fans say who um, he had a rather unremarkable uh, career. He played 900, over 900 games. So mm-hmm. you have to, uh, you know, give him full credit for, for playing 900 games, 57 points in those 937 games. Um, but it wasn't a, an impactful career. Uh, let's just say that. Um, and, and why do, why do I mention that? Well, um, I, you know, he's a journeyman defenseman. So, Marty St. Louis comes into a locker room and he says something. He hasn't been a coach before, but he has his NHL uh, background to rely on. He's instantly recognizable. Um, Everyone knows what Marty St. Louis did in his NHL career. Stefan Robina is not going to have that instant credibility. Most young players wouldn't have been familiar with him or his NHL career at all. No. Um, and just because you play in the NHL for a lengthy amount of time does not mean that you will be an effective coach. One doesn't, one doesn't equal the other, which is why I can understand a player development role, which is what he was serving for Toronto, which is maybe perhaps where he would be be better suited to bring him into the Montreal Canadiens organization. Sure. Uh, all of that experience for that length of time in the NHL, that's, that's great qualifications for player development and advisement uh, for, for young prospects. But how do you know there are plenty of guys who played a lot of years in the NHL who were tried coaching and were terrible at it. Who Wayne Gretzky? Well, that's, you know, if you, if you want to throw names around. <laughs> so the, the, the player development part, and here I think it's just, um, it's just a misunderstanding by fans on what a player development role is uh, in the NHL. But, but having said that, if the Canadians wanted uh, a player development person, um, they have two, um, they had two uh, and, and added a, a third uh, this season. 
But before anyone anyone asked, Frankie Boulian was out there saying, yeah, he didn't want to be an assistant coach. He he liked player development just fine. Rob Ramage um, has been in the Canadians organization for eight years. That's twice as long as uh, Stefan Robida was with the Leafs. Uh, in that role, and um, and knows has been in uh, constant communication uh, with the Canadians' prospects. Um, but what is the role? Are you de- as in player development? Are you developing players? Depends your definition of that. Are they coaching? No, they're not. Uh, what they're doing? They're they're the they're the big brother. Uh, they're the, the guy, uh, Rob Ramage is the guy who checks up on you once a week. You get a call from Rob Ramage. If you're a Canadian's prospect playing in the CHL, playing in the NCAA, playing in Europe, you get a call from Rob Ramage once a week. How are things going? Um, yeah, coach, I, I, I need a, a, a tip on uh, nutrition. Okay, here we go. I'll give, I'll send you something by email from our, uh, Canadians nutritionists. Uh, I need help with my workout. Yeah, we'll get that with our strength and conditioning people. We'll get something out to you. He's he's a problem solver. He's an intermediary. He is a big brother. He's an uncle. He's the guy that's that's always checking on you. And and Rob Ramage was a successful defenseman in the National Hockey League, and and maybe he's giving some uh, tips as well. But. It's not exactly developing. It's not exactly coaching. We've heard before Rob Ramage say, "No, no, 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 no. That's we're we're pretty hands off when it comes to coaching, uh, because we trust that uh, and we want our players, our prospects, to have uh, the best relationship with with the coach." with the uh, coaching staff of the team, the junior team, the, the college team, uh, where they're playing currently. Uh, so we're pretty hands off. So, um, in, you know, with the, the Leafs, would, would Robida have, have been coaching or developing? Um, maybe not in the classic term that, that people are giving him credit for. Right. There's a difference between development of a player and player development. And I know that sounds completely... Or development of the person, of the young man, Correct. of, of the, the, the teenager who's growing up. Well, that's kind of what I'm getting at, is that there's, there's prospects need to develop in their game. People involved in player development are developing the entire person which parts and aspects of the game may be included in that, but it's also so much more than that. Um, And so people kind of conflate the two. Like they just hear the word development and they think it's all, it's all one lump sum and it's not. Um, So, okay. So yeah, I I just, we see it on, on our social media pages, inexperienced coach, this, this, uh, false axiom amongst Habs players, uh, Habs uh, fans. Inexperienced coach equals perfect to develop young players. Um, and and I don't. There's Show nothing. Me where that's there's nothing written. to support that assumption. No. Um, and and again, I think it's a misunderstanding of the role of a player development person. Absolutely. So. We hear Stefan Robidas say he thinks the reasons that he got the job was because he played in the NHL for a long time and he's got a strong background uh, in his terms uh, in, in player development. Okay, none of those, neither of those two things, in my opinion, equate uh, will be a successful coach, much less at the NHL level. But 
I digress. Um, so, okay, maybe it's a maybe it's one of those things where this person knew this person, and so well, Robidoux went on to say, no, he doesn't. I mean, we're going to hear from him in a minute. Talk about really how much how well acquainted he was with Marty St. Louis back in their playing days. Um, doesn't really know Kent Hughes other than the fact that um, Robida's son, Justin, who is a, a Carolina Hurricanes prospect, is represented by Cortex Management. And so, you know, that's the only connection there, but but isn't really that familiar with Kent Hughes. In fact, when when asked, you know, okay, was what were the relationships involved in, in this? Uh, Stefan Robida said, really? Kind of not much. Uh, I had the chance to play against Marty. We, uh, we played against each other in the American League. He was in St. John. I was in Fredericton. Then he went up with Calgary. I ended up playing in Montreal. So we just played against each other. But it, it's not like we have a, a close relationship or anything like that. It's more like we just know each other because, you know, it's the hockey world is a small world. Um, and all being French Canadian, he's French Canadian. So we, we kind of just know each other like that, and we can't. Um, can't uh, he? He uh, was with Cortex, and uh, my son uh, is represented by Cortex. So I met Kent uh, once um, when my son met with him a few years ago. I can't remember, maybe four or five years ago. But I got I had the chance to meet him. Uh, but it's not someone that I had a close relationship or anything like that. It's more like, a, again, like I said, like the, the hockey world is pretty small. Everybody knows each other. Uh, so I, I didn't really add any close relationship with any of those two uh, person. So for, um, just to put it into context, uh, how he knows Marty St. Louis, um, he said they were opponents uh, when Robidoux was back in Fredericton. When was that? 1997. It was a little while ago. A little while ago. A little while ago. How do I know him? Um, he's French-Canadian. We know each other like that. That was... Oh. You're going to want to clean that that state, that state kind of a statement up. Yeah. We just don't say those kinds of things in 2022. Uh, the other part of it is, how do you know... Um, uh, uh, Kent Hughes, and that was um, his son. He, he met him, he shook his hand four or five years ago uh, when he was in the Cortex offices, and, and uh, his son was looking after his representation. So this is not a case where, say, a Kent Hughes or a Marty St. Louis went to the other and said, listen, I've had a longstanding relationship with Stan- Stefan Robinal. I know uh, you know, he's got this experience on paper, but I know him as a person for X, Y, and Z reasons. This is why I... Fi- those factors weren't weren't here. Um, he certainly doesn't have the coaching experience. So this is this this all kind of shapes itself into a really interesting look at how they came to the end conclusion that this is the guy that they should hire. Um, so okay, let's let's maybe look at it from a different angle. Then uh, Stefan Robida was asked who. Who was the most influential coaches in his NHL career? And so maybe that would give us some insight into, I don't know, the things that he finds valuable on being the receiving end of a coach-player uh, relationship. For me, uh, you know, Claude Ruel, who was the, the scout for Montreal, uh, I think he's, if I got drafted by Montreal, I think it's because of him. I think he believed in me. 
and uh, I spent a lot of time uh, on the phone with him. He came to Shawinigan when I was in junior. So he had a big, big impact on, uh, and he had like a lot, lot of good little tips about, you know, like how to keep the game simple, making the look like all little things. It's sometimes it's uh, just the details of the game. Um, so he had a big influence. Uh, after that in Dallas, I had like uh, Rick Wilson. I had him for many years. And after that, I had Charlie. I those two had a, a big influence too. And in, in my career, I, I would say with those two, that's where probably a, where uh, I felt the most comfortable in my career, where I had the most success. So obviously uh, th- those two had a big impact on my game. So the coaches that had the biggest impact, the individuals that had the biggest impact, he started with Claude Ruel, which was uh, a bit of a surprise to me. But, you know, you want to you wanna pick someone, maybe for, uh, for the older Canadians fans who are listening, uh, will remember uh, that Claude Ruel was uh, head coach of the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, one sta- he, his name is on seven Stanley Cups, so pretty good um, 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 reference there. Uh, but when Stefan Robida encountered um, Claude Ruel, Claude Ruel would have had 40 years of experience in um, in hockey operations, in in scouting, in player development, in coaching, uh, forty years of experience, uh, forty years of knowledge to be able to pass on to uh, a young uh, player like um, uh, Stefan Robida, and that was the first guy that he mentioned. The other two were actually more in terms of coaching, who helped him shape his game, shape his career. Uh, in Dallas, um, it, it happened that, that it was both of them. Uh, Rick Wilson. Um, Rick Wilson, uh, when they encountered each other, Stefan Robida with Rick Wilson, Rick Wilson would have had 25 year, almost 25 years of coaching experience. Uh, Charlie Huddy, um, they would have crossed paths in about 2010. At that point, Charlie Huddy had about 12 years of coaching experience. Are you seeing a pattern here? Mm. That the the people that most influenced him, most influenced the way he played, the, the guys who had an impact on his career had a ton of experience. Who didn't he mention? Who? As an assistant coach, Stefan Robidaw was coached by Scott Niedermeyer. Oh, that's Scott Niedermeyer. Oh. You mean the guy with 1,200 NHL games, four Stanley Cups, a Conn Smythe, a Norris. He's, no, he's known for being one of those guys in the Triple Gold Club and was a, an assistant coach in Anaheim at the time Robida encountered him with one year of experience. And a guy of yeah. that name, of that star power, of that had make your no list. bearing on uh, Robida doesn't even uh, bring him up uh, because he had no experience. Uh, and at that time, Robida was a veteran and didn't necessarily, um, well, it had Scott Niedermeyer, as amazing an NHL career as he had, had nothing to offer, apparently, Stefan Robida. It was guys you may not have heard of, like Charlie Huddy, like Rick Wilson, and in a different way, Claude Ruel. Uh, I think this says uh, an awful lot when folks are saying, oh, yeah, he can just, he can, he's got a lot to teach 
Um, just because you know he played in the NHL, he can he can teach young players. Says who? <laughs> I go back to having a long career or even a successful and long career in the NHL does not mean you are cut out to coach. A, do you know how to communicate with younger players from a coaching standpoint in an effective way? B, do you understand the nuances of coaching versus playing? Because the two things are very different. <laughs> it's, it's you know, if if just playing a game for a long time meant that you would be a, a good coach, then every player would become a coach that plays in the NHL for five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. They would all become coaches, and not all of them do. Um, some of them don't want to, but some of them just wouldn't be good at it. Um, I'll just say... You may not have heard of Charlie Huddy. You may not have heard of Rick Will. You may not have heard of Stefan Robidaw before this. But there's a player talking about um, about a coach that was very impactful uh, in their um, in their career, in their game, in their life. Um, you want a newer reference? Yeah, we've heard about um, Luke Richardson and the impact that he had. Um, and, and Ben Sherratt said, I'd go through a wall for that guy. Alexander Romanov spoke about him. Chris Weidman spoke about yeah. him. All defensemen. How about somebody who signed a contract with a new team on July 13th? Okay. As soon as the Blackhawks hired, this is a quote, as soon as the Blackhawks hired Luke Richardson as their head coach, I called my agent and I told him I wanted to play in Chicago. Luke Richardson is the main reason I wanted to play in Chicago. Former Canadians forward and fan favorite Max Domi on why he signed the one-year, $3 million contract with the Blackhawks. It was because of the impact of Luke Richardson. Uh, he goes on to say, Luke is one of the most humble people I've met in hockey. He played for a long time, had great success as a player and a coach. In Montreal, if you ask the defenseman or Shea Weber or even Carey Price, they all loved him. Luke is a person for whom we would go to war every night. He is the person who shows a lot of respect for players. We want to surround ourselves with this kind of person. He leads by example. No one in hockey has a bad word to say about him. Well, uh, well, he... And he goes on, Luke knows what I'm capable of. He believes in me. He's everything you dream in as having a relationship with a coach. No matter where he puts me in the lineup and which players, I'm very excited to have this opportunity. Man, if only, if only Montreal could have been in on the, the negotiations to get Luke Richardson. And why? Uh, oh, wait. Why? Oh, wait. <laughs> why? Why did Luke Richardson, the most experienced on that staff, uh, when Dom Ducharme was, Ducharme was fired, Luke Richardson was given zero consideration. Was that about his hockey knowledge? Was that no. about his relationship with the players? No. Was, was that about his ability to develop young players, which he's done superbly? No. Yeah. It's about a, a characteristic that has nothing to do with hockey and it's 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 criminal and i believe that the canadians are going to suffer the the, org the prospects in the organization are going to suffer for it um 
not just not just that they let Luke Richardson go and didn't promote him, but just the overall theme that we're seeing here. Um, so Robodaw's primary role, it's going to be to help develop the Canadians' young defensemen. We know that there are a slew of young blue line prospects coming this season and even the following season, but there's a lot uh, coming through the ranks uh, this season. This is going to be a, a very vital assistant coaching role, um, and and Robodaw's role is going to be to help def- help develop them. You know, I've heard so much about people. Are, oh, we're just so excited about. Um, uh, you know, it, never mind the inexperience on the on the coaching staff. It's going to be okay. The players will relate to them. They'll be excited. You saw how great things were at the end of the season with Marty Saint Louis, and it's all. I I don't understand how you think prospects are going to learn the proper way to play the game from a coaching standpoint from coaches who don't have experience being coaches. Um, that like, that doesn't equate for me. And you only get a couple of years to shape the beginning of a, of a, of a prospect's career. And we've seen Rick, we've seen that happen so many times over the past years where a promising upstart prospect comes into the Canadians organization. And the first couple of years of their development is completely just derailed for any number of reasons and they struggle and take a long time to recover from it, usually after they leave the organization. Like, are we set? This is why I say I feel the, the pendulum has now swung too far in the other direction. What's the big deal? What's the big deal? Let him try it. He's got to start somewhere. Um, give him a year. If, if it doesn't work out, fire him. Who cares? That's what someone uh, said on, on, on the YouTube video this week. And on... Uh, the, well, go to face if you want your comment registered. Go to Facebook.com/slash All Habs. Our fifty thousand uh, Habs commu- fan community uh, is there to welcome you and and debate with you. Um, the the gotta start somewhere comment is bizarre to me. Um, you know. I, I don't know arithmetic at all. I, I just want to jump straight into calculus. Uh, can we can we start with differential equations? Can we start with combinatorics? I don't know. I don't know arithmetic. I don't know the bit. But I have been a passenger on planes at least five times a week, every week for at least the last ten years. Um, I can pilot the plane now, right? And and you don't start with that single engine plane that that, cr- that crashed uh, that Paul no, Byron is involved. No, give me the seven forty seven. You don't start with a Cessna. You don't start with a little Piper Cub. You start with a Boeing seven seven seven. You start with an Airbus A three eighty. That's what we're talking about here. The, the NHL is the cream of the crop. Um, you know, for the folks that say this is uh, come on, this is just a game. It's a multi billion dollar industry. And you're playing with one year in in the life of a prospect is very impactful, especially young prospects can make or break their career and their life. Uh, and you're not going to paying millions of dollars uh, to these players. You're not going to jeopardize that. And and yes, um, would you would you take the same chance on your pilot? 
um, who's, uh, you know, doesn't have any experience? Would you take the same chance on your surgeon who doesn't have the same chance, uh, who doesn't have the same experience? It's, it's kind of this, this got to start somewhere. Yeah. Like all the other coaches do in junior, in college, in Europe, uh, and, and work their way up, uh, through organizations gathering, um, experience. Um, I, I, like I say, I, I just, I don't understand the, the thinking that, uh, you can just toss somebody in, uh, without any kind of experience, expect them to flourish and, um, and be good for, uh, the young prospects. If anything, young prospects in a rebuilding organization, uh, and that focus, they need experience. Uh, they need support. They mm-hmm. need uh, 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 guidance. Um, it's it's bizarre. Well, in case you were worried about um, what this is going to mean for the play uh, for for the for the success of the Canadians in this upcoming season, don't worry. Don't worry. I mean, we've been colloquially saying for the, for the last number of weeks, uh, you know, don't expect the Canadians to make the playoffs this coming season because in a rebuild, that's going to take some time and there's going to be a, a, you know, a focus on development and so forth. Uh, but we didn't mean just don't expect them to even try to win, basically. Um, but uh, surprisingly, apparently, uh, that's kind of the tone of the quote unquote mandate that at least Stefan Robida was communicated uh, upon his hiring. I mean, obviously, I, I think in this, speaking with Marty, I mean, obviously our goal is to develop and, and help this team reach their uh, its full potential. Um, obviously, and Marty said something like, we're, we're not uh, looking at the, the results. We're not focusing on the results. We're looking at the intentions and how we're going to play and how we're going to approach that. And, and with development, you have to be very patient. And I, for me, that's kind of what I learned um, as a player development. And even as a player, if I look back in my career, like patient is the key. You have to be patient. You have to trust the process. And if you focus too much on the results, uh, sometimes it's not good. So you got to do it the right way. Um just be patient. And for me, my mandate, I, I know exactly. Marty spoke with Marty, Jeff, Kent, and um, we'll, we'll just go from there and, and grow as, as a coaching staff and grow as a team also. There's all kinds of stuff oh. in here. And, and this was, this was um, something you don't, I, I think he's going to have a session with, uh, with Chantal Maccabee after this. He said the kinds of things that are reserved for the, behind closed doors discussion revealed them in, in a media availability. Um, we, we don't have any experience as a coaching staff, but we're going to grow together. Um, and, and okay, but that's, that's usually the kind of thing that, that maybe, um, you know, you, you say as, as a college staff or a junior hockey staff, um, and usually there's someone there with a lot of experience who can mentor, um, in this case, they're all kind of at the same starting point and, and they're, they're going to grow together. Um, but then he gets back to that, that other point And he said, Marty said something to me, something like, we're not focusing on results. We're focusing, we're looking at intentions. Um, 
and okay, um, um, you know, that's that's certainly something that you're going to hear in uh, in a in the in a good development program in the AHL. <laughs> Let's, a really good development program. The Montreal Canadiens are the new AHL franchise of the league. We're but we know, and it's said a thousand times, we've heard it, this is a results-driven business. And if you don't deliver results, uh, you don't belong in, in the NHL. And he said this, what was said to him privately, uh, publicly. So, um, you know, for there's been lots of discussion among fans who say, Listen, I I don't think this is a, a rebuild. I don't think this is a true rebuild. They're going to make the play. They're 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 expecting to make the playoffs. They're going to make the playoffs. We're going to zip through this. We got Slavkovsky. We got Caulfield. We're going to just zing right through. Um, and and that one year, yeah, it was really tough to finish at the bottom of the league. But now we're on our way playoffs. Then um, you know soon after, uh, be contending for a cup. Um, Robita is saying they're going to be patient. That's wise. That's a good thing. Yeah. I don't know if it's wise to say it out loud, but it kind of ends uh, any of the discussion about whether the Canadians uh, are going to be challenging uh, for a playoff spot anytime soon. They're not looking for wins is what he just said out loud, out loud, um, that, that it's just going to be, Good intentions. If you intended to do something right, uh, and you're learning and you make mistakes, that's okay. And and you know, for those of us who um, who have um, an interest in development, um, these are positive things to hear. They yeah. really are. Um, but it usually, as I said, we we heard. We didn't hear that from J.F. Uhl in such strong terms. No. Remember, we heard him in the in the playoffs uh, declare development is done. We're 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 we focused had 72 on winning games to develop in the regular <laughs> season. Now we got to win. Um, so this is this is quite again this whole uh, the the Canadians have talked about being of making uh, out of the box decisions, out of the box appointments. This is really out of the box. This is unprecedented. This has never happened in the National Hockey League where where the hires have been made the way they have and the way uh, a team has been managed with so so little experience on the bench. And and and, and it's a risk. It's it's it, it's total gamble. We're not, we're not saying that it's uh, is doomed to failure, but this is this is this not is to be 50/50. negative. Yeah. The reason we're pointing out all these inconsistencies is the fact that it's never been done before, and the Canadians are really blazing a, a trail. Uh, you know, you look at at uh, even recent announcements of um, uh, uh, John McClain, um, Ryan McGill. Um, those are our assistant coaches that have been that have been hired. Um, McGill w- with um, with the Devils, twenty years of experience. Uh, John McClain, you don't have to explain that one. Uh, there, there is not a there. There is not a change in the NHL. All other organizations, even with late hires, are going for guys with experience. The Canadians are out on their own on this one. They're way out on a limb, uh, and you just should know um, that it's going to be risky and and don't expect results anytime soon. And it's, yes, uh, we'll use that word patient. You're going to have to be patient for us to all find out if this is going to be uh, a risk that pays off or a risk that fails miserably. 
um, because we won't know right away, particularly when you're looking at prospect development. But all of the indicators from our standpoint, from an analytical standpoint, are make us a little nervous, obviously, <laughs> mm-hmm. and and make you scratch your head. Really does. All right. Well, we are. Um, we're going to go and take our final break here at the Canadians Connection podcast. Up next, we're going to uh, offer you our question of the week. Uh, we want to hear your replies to that. Um, and uh, we're going to get you caught up on anything that you might have missed and some some fun things going on around Rocket Sports Media. So stay with us. You're listening to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. Welcome back to episode 202 of the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Don't forget, you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, Visit and bookmark our website at CanadiansConnection.com. And don't forget, interactive show, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can text us anytime via the Rocket Sports text line at 585 three rocket uh and of course in this segment segment three this is where we let you have your say um but first before we let you do that i just want to bring your attention to some things you might have missed uh this week on our various rocket sports media platforms first over at allhabs.net at allhabs hockey magazine uh we mentioned uh the habs notepad uh that chris 
uh, G had out this week. We also had uh, an article from our good friend and colleague Sam uh, with an article titled Habs Roster, Something's Gotta Give. Uh, he takes a, an examination of, of where the cap situation is for the Canadians right now and, and, and how tight things are and that more contracts have to get moved out uh, if they're going to be cap compliant. Things need to get shuffled around. Uh, some really great uh, content at All Habs this week, including some some fan posts on on people's experiences at the draft in Montreal, which is which is always fun. Uh, both the, the Habs notepad are, are, and uh, that article by Sam are a look forward. Um, in the Habs notepad, Chris G. this uh, this past week looked at possible opening night lines um, and, and kind of projected what might happen there uh, for a cap-compliant roster. And then Sam's piece, which was really quite comprehensive, uh, looked at the... The, the, the cap situation, but also the abundance of forwards that the Canadians have. And, and uh, as he said, something's got to give. There's, uh, there's likely going to be some movement uh, between now and the start of opening, uh, the opening night. Also head over to our YouTube channel. Uh, you can find that at youtube.com slash allhabs and just tap that subscribe button and the notification bell uh, there. Uh, you'll find a full archive of, of offerings that we have on our YouTube channel, exclusive interviews and so forth. Uh, but also, every Thursday, I host the uh, Habs and Laval Rocket-related show called Habs Hockey Report. This week, uh, Stefan Robidal reaction was the hot topic, uh, and I certainly had some... In case you didn't notice from today's episode of Canadians Connection, I had some things to say about the Robidal hiring, uh, as well as uh, lots of fan interaction uh, as we usually have. So be sure to check that out over at youtube.com slash allhabs. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button while you're there. Uh, and also, finally, uh, the Canadians Connection podcast you're currently listening to. Be sure you're subscribed there. And our sister podcast, The Press Zone, hosted by myself and Rick every Tuesday, talking about Habs prospects in the Laval Rocket. You'll want to find that at thepresszone.fm. Make sure you subscribe. We had uh, Patrick Williams on with us this past week, so you'll want to check that out. Uh, and uh We'll have uh, another great episode for you on Tuesday. Just ta- we very thankful off the top of the show for all our new listeners. Uh, we just want to remind you to uh, subscribe to both the Press Zone to the the Canadians Connection. Uh, so once the season starts, you'll be all ready to go, and you won't miss any of our content. That's right. Now we did mention that we had a question of the week for you, and we really would love to hear your feedback on this. So you could drop us a text at five eight five three Rocket. You could send us an email. You could uh, reply on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, let us know if you support the Canadians mandate that we talked about in the last segment that Stefan Robidal, I don't, I don't want to say leaked, but, but made known, uh, that they're focusing on intentions and not results. Do you support that? Um, and, and if so, why? If not, why not? Uh, so be sure to leave a, leave your comments, uh, on the website, on social media, on the text line uh, and we'll be sure to read some of your responses next week on the show because I bet people are going to have some opinions on this. Mm -hmm. 
Um, as far as things coming up, really, we're just looking ahead to the World Juniors coming up in the second week of uh, after uh, around August 8th. Uh, and so that's really the only important date on the calendar right now is just looking to see who makes those final rosters from each team involved in the World Junior Championship. Uh, aside from that, Next Canadians Connection episode, Michael Spinella will be back in the hosting chair next Saturday, August 6th. Uh, I want to say thank you to to him and to you, Rick, for uh, inviting me to come and guest host today in his absence. It's been a blast. Really great having you here again. And uh, and you'll be back from time to time. I will be back from time to time. Uh, and uh, once again, don't forget to subscribe Text us anytime at 5853-ROCKET. And thanks so much for listening to this and all of our podcasts and multimedia programs here at Rocket Sports Media. And we will see you again next Saturday for another great episode of the Canadians Connection podcast right here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens. Canadians.